Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest show on And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the king of horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show where tonight it's my pick because the dean decided to take a night off because he knows we want to talk about She-Hulk. So he's like, fuck it, peace, dudes. Uh, so we're going to be talking about What Do You Like <laughs> from 1988, directed by Frank Lelogia. So we're going to be talking about that a little later on in the show to add to the spooky season. And then the dean has a pick that I will announce later. Uh, it's not going to be Halloween ends, uh, so, but we're going to do that next week. Oh. We're going to have a whole roundtable discussion. Uh, the ghoul, the monkey, myself, the dean, we're going to have a roundtable. So his, his uh, horror news might be adjudicated. Uh, we'll find out because I have a lot to say about it. So we'll, we'll pepper in some things with horror news when we get to it about Halloween ends and all that good stuff. But first and foremost, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the ghoul of Geek Keith. I mean, you keep talking about this Halloween ends thing, and I mean, I see you guys mentioning it on the group chat, all this and that. I don't know, man. I saw something called the Corey story, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I, 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 guess, I guess we'll get to talk about that next week at some point. But but yeah, I mean, I, I'll try to find this Halloween ends film that you that you guys are are, are talking about as well. Uh, hello, oh, everybody, damn. And, and welcome, welcome to Talking we- Terror. We just saw the wrong movie. I mean, that's the Corey story is about that 20-year-old in Haddonfield that beat up a bunch of fucking teens. He won. That was, that was like an yeah, Oscar-nominated movie. Knocking the shit out of some 8-year-old. <laughs> and how, you know, very, very Italian people still live in Haddonfield. After Halloween 2 with Bud, we get uh, Tony Soprano Jr. showing up in that movie. So we'll talk about that next week. Hey, oh, hey, you bought me some beer. Come on, man. It's for friends, right? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, next week is going to be something. Uh, but anyway, we're also joined by the psychotic Simeon, the man monkey, the prince of Amorze. Yes, you get spooky with the monkey. That's right, Brad fans. You know what time it is. It's time for your favorite horror podcast featuring your favorite horror host, the Trilogy of Terror, the Talking Terror crew. Get ready as we bring you the latest in horror news and nerdgasms and a movie review done the only way Talking Terror can. Just remember that if you can't catch us live, you can always catch any of our many, many, many episodes on both iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to tell your ghoul friends to like and subscribe to Talking Terror on both Facebook and Instagram, baby. What's up, my family? What's that, monkey? Hi, monkey. Hi, goose. See, that's how we do it, Kate. You don't say that shit. <laughs> I know I don't. I know. I always do. I always want to feel special, but I can't, so I just I, I say my part. But no, you know, always who, glad to have you on board. Who would the I do. I want the belly kisses. I want the belly kisses. I want the belly kisses. Keep the belly kisses to your private life. Keep them to your Friday night smackdowns, okay? Smackdown means something else entirely. That's how we greet each other is belly kisses. Like, who wants the belly kisses? Oh, you do, do. And yeah, then we hang out. Fuck you. 
<laughs> you yeah, did. Right. You could. And, I laugh. <laughs> and then the other monkey's like, "Yeah, you like it, don't you?" I'm like, I love it. Like, you know, that's our friendship. <laughs> that's what we. It's my new thing. I'm going to be doing table. this to everybody. <laughs> just come, just come up to random strangers, rip it up in their shirts, and go <laughs> on their belly. There you go. So you get a belly kiss. Yes, you do. <laughs> I would watch that fucking show if that was like a fucking like one of those hidden camera shows where you just walk up to random people and blow on their fucking stomachs and go, "Who's a good boy? You're a good boy." <laughs> like I would be like, Dude, "That's the greatest show ever." Like thirteen seasons. Order it. <laughs> not not enough milk in the world for my eyes for all the times I'm gonna get maced. <laughs> You're trying that shit in downtown Lancaster. <laughs> and it's never gonna be women. Like women are safe. Women are like, What the fuck? Are you gonna just fucking blow raspberries on my boyfriend's stomach? Yeah, I did. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> That's okay. We're we gonna cut first. And they were, that's how we're going to chase all the tourists out of First Fridays in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Stay Just home, white people. We don't like you in downtown Lancaster. <laughs> Please get out of my city. <laughs> you are not welcome here. Um, but, yeah, so the Dean is not going to be a part of tonight's episode. He, he's doing fuck all. Who knows? Uh, but he does have a pick for later on in the show. We're going to be talking about Halloween ends next week. So horror news, like I said, might be adjudicated. I'm sure the Dean's going to love that. But what I wanted to, to introduce the show with is, of course, our favorite She-Hulk, Jennifer Walters. Yeah! Uh, episodes 8 and 9 uh, has completed. The season is over. So we have to wait uh, for season 2 whenever that shall be. Uh, but I wanted to give it to you boys first. Uh, what did you think about the last two episodes of She-Hulk? I thought episode 9 was the fucking tits. I loved it. I thought it was great, you know, with, with everything that happened within it. But, Ghoul, I'm going to give it to you first. What did you think about 8 and 9 of She-Hulk? Um, okay, so, so, so just bear with me a little bit here, okay? So, like, I definitely remember Episode 9. Uh, what what yeah. occurred on Episode 8, during Episode 8 again? That was Daredevil. Daredevil walk of yeah. shame. That's what fucking happened. <laughs> oh, okay. She, that, 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 that's right. That's right. That, that's when she, she. That's when she smashes. Smashes Daredevil. Yeah. yeah. Tight, tight little, little behind. Um, yeah. We also. I mean, look, yeah. it's, you know what? It's 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 great to see him back in the role. Um, I do feel like they are. I don't know if it's because it's the She-Hulk writers, and I do hope that that is something that that changes when we get Daredevil series, but I do feel like he was more tame. Um, And and worse still, I did feel like the action sequence uh, paled in comparison to what we saw them do on the Netflix show for Daredevil. Um, so again, these are things that I am hoping are corrected and, and completely put, you know, mm-hmm. put right when we do get a, a Daredevil show. Because the reality is, this is a She-Hulk show. So this is a comedy. It can be a little bit silly. silly. It could, it could oh, excuse me. It could be, it could be light. <laughs> and, and they're not, they're not necessarily making us action episodes, you know, as we right. see. And I'll use that to lead us right into our big fucking finale, which decided to edge the living fuck out of you, 
<laughs> and then, and then, like the the true smashing She Hulk that she is, she just smashes your dreams as well as Matt as well as Matt Murdock's ass. Um, yeah, you know what? I applaud the humor. I applaud them staying true to what the series is and the fun of it and everything. But you know, man, considered all I wanted all fucking season long was for some big blowout crazy action sequence, like I thought they were finally giving it. And there I am. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, look, the fucking that prick is turning into a Hulk. Oh, shit. Abomination's about to get involved. Holy fuck, it's the Hulk. And then it was like, oh, wait, uh uh-uh. You're not getting any of that because this is not how she writes her show. This is not how it's done. So, like I said, I, I felt like it was a great edging session. Um, you know, like, like they, they worked me up. Uh, I was fucking, like, I was pre-coming. Like, it was all there. Like, it was like, <laughs> they were like, you know, that little bubble that's, like, on the tip of your dick. And you're like, oh, look how fucking it, mag- look how it magnifies your pee hole. Um, like, like, all of that. It was all there. And it's like, oh, oh. And then it was like, nah, nah, bitch. Mom came home. You got to go out the fucking window right now, asshole. There ain't no questions. Go, so, go, go. You know, and you're, you're busy Here's trying to get those last little kisses as you slide now. Just a handy, please. Something fucking help me. No, no. You, you just, you, just like Matt Murdock, I took a fucking walk of shame to the cold shower. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I applaud it. I enjoyed it. I thought overall the series stayed true to everything that they said it was going to be from the start. It is a female-centric sitcom based in a, a law-esque atmosphere. So, so yeah, good, good on them. I think they did a great job with the show as a whole. Awesome. All right, uh, Monkey, what did you think about Episodes 8 and 9 of She-Hulk? Yeah, eight. Uh, I fucking love just because again, her doing her thing, but at the same time being called out on it. You know, of the you know them pretty much calling her a slut, and it pretty much boils down to yeah, the dude who wasn't getting any as always in the bar is the one that's gonna be like slut. You know, it's like yeah, you're not getting any. And and I had called who you know Hulk King was gonna be a while ago, but you know to my coworkers, I was like, yeah, watch it be this motherfucker. You know, and. Yeah, they're yeah. all like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, he's only called it. Um, <laughs> but yeah. episode eight, episode eight was just so much fun. And then yeah, nine with her smashing walls and yeah, smashing Matt Murdock. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. You know, even her. You know, and when we finally get to fucking Kevin, you know, fucking you know, fucking Kevin. <laughs> was behind it all the entire time, you know, and she even calls it out and oh, says, yeah, yeah, what are we getting, what are we getting next, man? <laughs> I, I, I just loved, Wink. I just loved, uh, yeah, I loved all the fourth wall breaking, like, you know, she just smashed the fuck out of the fourth wall, and episode nine was just, like, so out there and so much fun. Uh, um, yeah, so, dude, what did you think? Um, yeah. With episode eight, you introduce Leapfrog, who is also a uh, Marvel character, a very fucking small yep. Marvel character. But the broad <laughs> is like, oh shit. And he has his whole fucking place to lily pad. I forgot about him. Lit up in neon. <laughs> he has the lily pad and it's all fucking lit up. And she's like, ew. <laughs> Why would you have your fucking lair <laughs> lit up with the lily pad? I mean, we do get a hallway fight with Daredevil. So it's like classic Daredevil getting that hallway fight in. 
You know, so you get some small action <laughs> set pieces from eight, trying to save Luke, you know, from, from leapfrog. Um, and then when you get to the gala where she's at, and she's like, I'm getting this award. This is going to be great. And then you see the, the Hulking come in and put all his things from Intelligentsia. Oh, she's a slut. And she fucked this guy. Crazy, right? And then she fucking hulks out. You get that moment where she's like, fuck everything, and, you know, just destroys everything. And then we find out that she's in jail, the same cell that Emma Blonsky was in in Episode 9. And she broke so many fucking walls that even Deadpool was like, holy shit, calm down. <laughs> it's only a half-hour episode. Like, Jesus. But it was just so great to see in Episode 9 the fact that it started with the old Bill Bixby Fucking Incredible Hulk, dude. Where she Bill Bixby's character. <laughs> that was fucking great. Now. That was great. right. Wasn't it cool? Yeah, it was so cool to see that and to see just them do the entire intro of the Incredible Hulk TV series to bring that in, and then to see her, you know, just trying to survive this whole thing where she loses her job and now she has to stay with her parents, and then she decides to stay with Emil Blonsky at his retreat, and then yeah, we find out that. You know, this guy's running this whole fucking toxic masculinity fucking group. But they're like, yeah, fucking females, am I right? Yeah, fuck them. You know, she's not the Hulk. She doesn't have his powers. Yeah, yeah, you're right, right? And then all of a sudden you have Jennifer show up, and she's like, holy shit, abomination. They're breaking your parole. He's like, oh, shit, sorry, sorry. So anyway, I make a lot of money off of this. So, I mean, you know, it's all about money. It's, it's fine. And all of a sudden she just breaks it because the Hulk shows up get away from my cousin, like the ghoul is saying, you're getting all this fucking action. And then she's like, wait a second, this is my fucking show. Like, this isn't how it's going to end. Like, no, no, I'm sorry. And it's just, it's so great when she just fucking pops up into the menu of the Disney Plus app. <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and she kicked Dude. open, you know, her fucking little window. I thought the app crashed for a second. I thought the show crashed for a second <laughs> and booted me back out. That shit happened to me recently with like with like Netflix. It like crashed on me and did something similar. So like I still had that going on, and then that happened, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" And then I was like looking at it, like, "Wait a minute, it looks a little bit different." But yeah, sure as shit, man, they they did get me with that. And she's still calling Rowdy, knocks open the menu, and then she shows up at the Disney Studios to talk to Kevin Feige, and then she just beats the fuck out of the security guard, sets a lot of his big energy. I'm like, "Oh shit, okay." I fucking like that song, so I was kind of happy to see it in this episode. But just going in, and she's like, yeah, I'd like to see uh, Kevin Feige, please. Well, can you sign the NDA? And it's fucking 35 pages. Finally gets to the end, signs it, and then he hits the security alarm. Why did you make me fucking do that if we were going to do that anyway? Everybody has to sign the NDA. (laughs) (laughs) And her just getting through, and like the, the monkey had said, fucking Kevin, this robot that controls everything, and it's Kevin's world, not Jennifer's. He's like, I create everything. I create the stories. I don't really think that you want to do this. But she does, and she corrects everything. You know, let's make a Milblonsky be a Milblonsky. Let's get rid of the Hulk that this guy turned into. You know, get rid of my cousin. He doesn't need to be there. Let's make it during the day because the day is so much fucking better. And then she decides to sit down. He's like, oh, you're sitting. She's like, yeah, but while we're at it, like, let's talk about some other things. Like, what the fuck is <laughs> <laughs> he's like okay well we'll see you in the movies and she's like really no no <laughs> you know, she's like oh you know and, and going back to it and then you get to the end where she has Matt Murdock come back and she's like yeah that fine piece of ass from Hell's Kitchen 
I want him to come back. Um, <laughs> and he, he, it was just, and he literally just falls out of a tree. <laughs> yeah, in his costume. He's just like, oh hey. He's like, do you need my help? He's like, no, I'm good, but I want that ass. <laughs> you know, I'll see you later. Um, it's just, yeah, and Matt Murdock and Charlie Cox coming back as Matt Murdock. I thought it was great, but in episode eight, he really had to control his accent. Because it was coming out. <laughs> he didn't have, you know, that American accent. His British accent was coming out. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's been away from this character for a while. Needs to hone that a little bit more. In episode nine, it was a little bit better. But then you have Hulk showing up, and he's like, hey, all right, family reunion. We're having a party. Oh, anyway, this is my son, Scar. And I was like, oh, shit, Scar from the 2007 Planet Hulk, you know, comic series. And then he shows up, and he's like, hey. Like, that's not Scar. Scar was like a fucking mountain <laughs> of a man with long hair and a fucking beast. And then he just shows up with his little fucking bowl cut, and he's like, hey, guys. Like, okay, so this is what we're doing with Scar. That's fine. <laughs> you know, just to kind of insert him at the end. Um, and, yeah, you know, we, we cut the credits, and we get Missy Elliott's We Run This, which is another great song that I like. And then we get to the post-credits, where Wanger shows back up to break Emil <laughs> out of prison. Do you have your stuff back? He's like, what took you so long? Another series? There's a lot of good television happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> you ready to go? Yeah, let's get out of here. And he zaps him out of this prison. So it was a great way to end it with that post credits. I just, I can't wait for season two. Like, this show was so good from start to finish. Like, I didn't have one episode. I'm like, eh, it wasn't great. Yeah, could have been better. No, every episode had something great in it. And it just all wrapped up into a nice package where I'm like, I kind of hope they do a season two, you know, where it continues the adventures of Jennifer Walters, but we'll see. Maybe she's the reason why the X-Men come back. You know, she goes back to Kevin and says, come on, X-Men time. Schnicky, schnicky, schnoink, like, you know, maybe. J-E-V-I-N. You know. But uh, we haven't talked about it because we don't really do a lot of comic stuff on the show because Dean always falls asleep and then we have to wake him up so we can do his little section of horror news. But, you guys, we are getting a Deadpool 3 in 2024 with Hugh yeah, Jackman returning and, as Wolverine. And I was thinking, like, as Deadpool 3, and like you were saying, for them to get X-Men back, it would be weird if, like, all of a sudden She-Hulk breaks through the Deadpool movie and she's like, hey... Deadpool, there's this guy I want you to meet. <laughs> we can totally make the X-Men happen. And she takes him to Kevin, and Kevin's like, oh, fuck, what are you doing here again? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we kick you out? <laughs> you know, but, yeah, I, I thought that Ryan Reynolds handled it perfectly uh, with his teaser for Deadpool 3, where it's like, well, yeah, you know, yeah, Logan's dead, but, like, this movie takes place in, like, this year, and uh, this is how it happened. And then all of a sudden he just breaks into Carol's Whisper. Like, yeah, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> we're not going to give you the explanation. Well, you'll figure it out once you see Deadpool 3 in 2024. But, you know, I, I, I can't wait. So to see him yeah. as Wolverine one last time with Deadpool, I want a lot of cuddling. I want a lot of tummy kisses. Like, I think it's going to be a great <laughs> fucking movie. You know, and break I that wall. Where... And I just love the trailer, though, where it's like, you know, we worked and we slaved and we, you know, wrote from the heart. And you know what? We didn't come up with shit. <laughs> hey, Hugh, you want to be Wolverine again? <laughs> yeah, whatever. 
<laughs> yeah, I well, I mean, you it's, know. it's obviously going to be Disney's first uh, stab at uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. You, you saw what I saw there. I, I, I really hope they don't, you know, splash away at all the the violence and, and gore that we've grown accustomed to with the uh, the Deadpool series, as well as the uh, the, the raunchy. Dirty, nasty humor and comedy involved there within. Um, I mean, look, I, I, I'm a, a big X-Men fan, and you know, I've, I've yeah been stumping and pining and fucking, you know, pushing this damn series for years, watching and suffering through, through things like X-Men Three, you know, X-Men United, uh, and, and oh no, yeah. Whichever whichever one three was, um, I, I don't like to remember it. Um, oh and yeah, then, I don't remember the subtitle for that one. And then things it was like X three. X three, I think it had a subtitle. I think X United was uh, X Men two. Um, That's what I thought. Yeah. And then things, then things like Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix. <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's yeah. just, just again, it's, it's more edging, is what it is. Just as <laughs> these X Men movies always hit. These, these super high points, they then come back and they're like, well, wait, you know all those special effects and awesome things that we, we showed you in the last movie and the fucking things we promised you? Remember we were like, hey, you're going to see Apocalypse? You want to see Apocalypse? We're going to fucking show you Apocalypse. No, instead we're going to show you I- Oscar Isaac painted blue like a fucking smurf <laughs> because, you know, who wants special effects? <laughs> With a fucking all-powerful, all like eternal living fucking entity who eventually gets a self-aware spaceship, okay? But no, let's show him <laughs> his fucking blue makeup, please. That makes me happy. Um, so, so look, the Deadpool series has been great. It really has. It's been fantastic. Yeah. Disney, Marvel, don't fuck it up, okay? Don't fuck it up. Let Ryan Reynolds and company do what they've been doing for the other two previous movies. Hugh Jackman. Be Wolverine one last time, okay? But honestly, one last time. I think this is... I was happy with his ending in Logan as much as I might not like that movie all that much. I think it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. I do. I think it's great. It's just fucking depressing. It really is. It's a depressing (laughs) downer of a fucking movie. And and it makes makes me think of Johnny Cash doing Hurt. You know what I mean? And I just want to sit there by the end of it and fucking open my arms up and just be like, you know what? End it for me, too, please. Please, for the love of God. Kill me. Um, so, so if you're going to do it, do it. Get your ass ripped. Fucking A. Starve yourself. Drink your fucking hydration, water shit, shrink wrap, whatever the fuck you call it. Get yourself Wolverine out one more time. Make this shit violent. Make this shit wild. Give us the fucking what we want to see, and then right off into the, Give us the sunset already. And here, yeah. Just just right off into the sunset, okay? And then go play Roland in in the Dark Tower series, please, because you know what, man? That that's that's where we really want you to. So <laughs> that would be fucking tits. Yeah, I would love that. Um, yeah, they played fucking Johnny Cash's Hurt in the Logan trailer, which is already devastating. Like I remember seeing the show for the first time. Like, dude, I'm gonna cry a lot during this fucking movie. I'm like, why is it going to be so fucking sad? Like, you know, you have Professor X who's fucking dying, like, through half the movies. Like, I don't know if I could do it anymore. Like, you know, God. Like, does everything have to be so sad? Can't there be, like, one day where they go to Chuck E. Cheese and they fucking hang out? Like, you know, 
Why does everything got to be so bleak with, with this movie? And even introducing the girl, and she's all sad and showing up. Yeah, that's a bummer of a fucking movie. So I'm kind of hoping he just shows up in fucking yellow spandex and Deadpool 3. like, let's go. Holy shit. Yellow is blue. Fucking thing. Yeah. Go yellow. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? If you're going to do it, pull out that fucking, that 1990 fucking costume they put your ass in, you know? None of that orange <laughs> yeah. brown shit. No, no. You got to go full blue. You got to go full yellow. And, you have, and have the fucking theme have song playing in the background when he shows up. And then have Deadpool crack it on going, what the fuck is that? Deadpool <laughs> <laughs> sucks, dude. Whatever. <laughs> Stop talking to me. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, it's a choice. It's a choice. But it's like a lot of yellow. What's with the blue gloves? Like, it, I was, it was bright. It was bright. <laughs> it really, I, yeah, I, I zero, zero understanding of like what went into that design either. But you know what? I was there for it at the time. I was like, oh, you know what? Oh, yeah. I, I did also. I, I liked his orange and brown costume. Um, to me, that seemed to kind of like just. It, it felt like that was Wolverine. Everything saying that's the costume I originally saw him in. Um, Mm-hmm. Like when I was introduced to the character. But when they went yellow and blue, it just seemed to fit the color scheme of everything else that was going on in the X-Men comics at that time. They became so, like, just bright and colorful in the two teams and all that, the, the blue and the gold team and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but he also looked just, he was also just like a, it was almost like you looked at Beast and you looked at Wolverine and they could have been the same damn characters since they drew their hair the same and, and, and everything else yep. about them seemed to be completely sim- similar at that time. Like the the Jim Lee look, I guess. Well, that's <laughs> well. No, it wasn't just him. Also, though, it was Marvel would pick on themselves all the time about having that Wolverine haircut because every once in a while, in the back issues of what the they would be like, okay, who's got the Wolverine haircut? And they just start matching up with other Marvel characters that also would have that damn haircut, like the Beast, the Owl. You know, <laughs> it wasn't just them. But you also got to remember, Wolverine started in the yellow and blue outfit. You know, that yep. when he first premiered, he yes. was in yellow and blue. And then he, in the mm-hmm. 80s, he went to, yeah, the uh, orange and brown uh, during Secret Wars. <laughs> he wore the brown. Pants. And then he went. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm excited for you. So I'm excited. Yes, nice. Why Deadpool was that? It's the best he is. It's the best he is at what he does. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> his duty. Um, all right. So getting into some of the things I have for horror news tonight, because I do have a couple things, um, and I want to focus a little bit on the Halloween crew uh, from Halloween Ends. I'm, obviously, we're not talking about it, but there's some articles that I have that pertain to that crew. More specifically, how David Gordon Green this week is getting underway on his Exorcist trilogy because he wants to make a whole brand new trilogy of horror. He was originally going to step away after he did Halloween and all the trilogy that he did with that. He was going to step away. He's like, you know, I didn't really start in horror. I want to back away. But then Jason Blum was like, hey, David, we have the Exorcist. Do you want to do it? And he found that to be the perfect property and the perfect idea to come. So we can expect this brand new Exorcist trilogy starting next year as production started this week. So get ready for a trilogy of Exorcist movies where we'll see that might introduce a new character in the third movie. That makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, yeah, it'll be Regan and Chris McNeil in the first one, and then all of a sudden they'll introduce some random priest in the third one who shows up in the third act, and he's like, I'm possessed. Like, who knows? Father Maury. Because <laughs> it'll be Father Maury's story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll see what goes on with his trilogy of, of – Exorcist movies, and I love the fact that people uh, that didn't particularly like Halloween ends are like, God damn it, step away from fucking Exorcist. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Don't touch it. Like, it's fine the way it is. Uh, yeah, no, he's going to do it. You know, he's already got the backing. You can't stop it. Because there was people yeah. um, that are actually putting petitions out there this week about Halloween ends. How They're putting a petition up to fucking have the whole movie redone. I was like, good luck, guys. I wish you luck. <laughs> Never going to fucking Yeah. Happen. Nope. <laughs> Never going to happen. So, you know, even if you get 50,000 signatures, it's not going to happen. Um, and even with the, the news coming out this week that David Gordon Green, he had to do different endings for the movie because the test screenings were poor. So he's like, all right, I have to film a whole bunch of other stuff and let's see what works, you know, when land the ending of this movie because people were just not happy with it. And he was confused, saying, I, I don't understand why you guys don't get it. Uh, this movie was never going to be about Lori and Michael. So that was where he stands. And, again, we're going to talk more about it next week on the show, more fully we're about the movie itself. talk about it next week, man. Don't blow but, your yeah, load, so bro. That was what he had to say about it. So, <laughs> no, we're going to talk about the actual yeah, movie yeah, yeah. next week. You, look, you get, that, you get that little cum bubble, that's all you get, King. Stop. That's right. I'm giving you the free cum. I'm giving you the free cum so that way you guys get the edge all until next week when we're all back together and we get to talk about Halloween ends. Um, this is related to it, but not quite, because Daniel Harris, as we know, played Jimmy Lloyd in Halloween 4 and 5, and Scout Taylor Compton, who played Laurie Strode in Rob Zombie's Halloween and Halloween 2, they have a podcast that they share together called uh, called talk scary to me. Um, and on their podcast recently, they talked about how they were invited to the Halloween Ends red carpet premiere. So they were stoked. They're like, we haven't been invited to the previous two. This is great. You know, Scout Taylor Compton playing Laurie Strode in the remake. And of course, Daniel Harris. Uh, they were so excited to meet Jamie Lee Curtis. They're like, oh my God, she's going to be there. We're going to meet her like the scream queen, Emeritus. We're going to get to talk about it. And unfortunately, they left ultimately having a terrible experience with Harris saying that she was mortified, and they left very, very hurt. Because apparently Harris told Jamie Lee Curtis about playing her daughter in Halloween 4 and 5, and Curtis responded that she's never seen those movies and has no idea who she is. And Harris was like, okay, she's going to follow this up with a just kidding. That never happened. <laughs> so Jamie Lee Curtis like, I have no idea who you are. I don't care. Uh, so just leave it alone. So Harris laughed, and then, of course, Taylor Compton, she tried to be more strategic about her introduction to Jamie Lee Curtis, and she said, listen, you know, it was such an honor to play the character of Laurie Stroke or two movies with Rob Zombie, and Taylor Compton didn't go into specifics about her own interaction with Curtis, but she did start to cry on the podcast, but she did say that she had a very similar experience to Harris, and I was like, Are you, am I fucking surprised? No. <laughs> I don't think that Jamie Lee Curtis is a very nice person. Like, especially when you meet her in person, she doesn't give off that aura that she's the type of person that will be like, oh, hey, cool. Like, you like my movies? That's great. Like, I just feel bad that they had such a bad experience at a red carpet premiere. Like, you're in the universe of Halloween. And she's just like, dude, fuck you. I don't know who you are. <laughs> uh, crushing. Like, that's crushing to me. 
I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, but at the same time, you know, like, uh, oh, go ahead, Gould. So I mean, I, I just, I just, like, I don't necessarily think it's a matter of Jamie Lee Curtis not being a, a, a nice person. I think Jamie Lee Curtis looks at all of her roles as just that. They're just simply acting roles. They're paychecks. She is a paid actress to be up there. Now, now we right. as fans have obviously attached a lot of emotion and investment into the characters of, you know, of, of the Halloween franchise. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, somebody like Danielle Harris and, and Scout Taylor Compton, you know, coming from a, a, a different generation of acting um, and coming up differently as far as the the overall quality, let's say, of their careers. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis's career, you know, is has been what you would consider a much more fruitful and successful and wide-ranging career than that of, let's say, Danielle Harris and, 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 and Scout, you know? Um, so I, I feel like, you know, maybe they look at, you know, the love and adulation that they're getting from the fan base, you know, and going to these cons and doing all this stuff, and they still look at it and they, they appreciate it in a different way. Whereas, you know, again, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, is, is, uh, is a well-known actress, one of great renown, has been, you know, she has been in, in, in larger movies than the Halloween series as a whole. Even if we may look at that and say, hey, Halloween is what made you. Halloween is what your biggest thing is. Halloween is what got that fucking money truck backed up to your, your house. And, and here you go. Look, they brought you back because they boop, 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 tossed all that fucking green back at you. You know, for her, she's just like, yeah, well, that's uh, what I do for a living, you know. We, Michael Caine said it, you know. It bought him a fucking house or it bought him a car or whatever the fuck it bought him. You know, doing Jaws. Jaws <laughs> Revenge. Sometimes. Yeah. You know, do you really think, like, you know, like, I wouldn't be hurt if, like, you know, I was like, I went to Michael Caine and I was like, oh, man, you were my favorite Alfred of all time. And Michael Caine was like, Alfred who? You know, like, he, he doesn't fucking remember that. He the Batman movies. He don't give a shit. He's like, bro, I got so much fucking money now. I'm living on a yacht, okay, because I fucking, I did some, some movie with that Christian Bale kid, that obnoxious motherfucker. You know, I think he said he was Bruce Wayne or some shit. I don't even know who that is. Oh, good for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, good for you. <laughs> Go ahead, Mikey. What are you gonna say? Yeah, but but like what the ghoul was saying again. Not only is Jamie Lee Curtis a seasoned veteran actress, she also keeps things very close to the chest. It's you know, mm-hmm. her her inner circle is her inner circles. Uh, she was talking the other night in an interview about how. You know, she gets calls all the time, you know, people trying to get interviews from her, you know, going, you know, hey, I'm this person, I'm that person. And uh, she's like, well, prove it. And she always has a secret question that she asks, you know, asks certain people that she considers her friends. A secret question with a secret answer between just the two of them, you know, and she, and it's just she's, you know, constantly berated for her attention, her time, you know. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, you know, like the ghoul was saying, also, it's like you got to keep people at a distance, too. It's like, you know, it's like she, she's an actress. That's her job. But, you know, everyone else, you know, please stay respectfully the fuck back. <laughs> I've, I've never been a fan of Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, in all the movies that she's in, I like everybody else around her. Like, that's why I've always seen these movies that she's in. I was like, there's a lot of great people around her. 
And then she shows up, I'm like, ah, oh, that's cool. Like, like the fog, like, you know, you have Tom Atkins just acting the shit out of the movie. Um, you know, Hal Holbrook is great in that movie. Then Jamie Lee Curtis is just there. You know, Halloween, you know, especially, it's Donald Pleasance. That's what I watch that movie for. I don't watch it for Laurie Strode. So, I mean, I, yeah, I just, I've never really found her to be that great of an actress. She's, she's good. But, you know, I don't think she deserves any of these fucking titles that all the people are like, oh, the Scream Queen. Like, no, no. She did a couple of horror movies in the 80s. That's what she could get until she went mainstream. And then she's like, fuck horror movies. Until all of a sudden, she didn't have a lot of movie roles coming her way. And she's like, let's resurrect it. Halloween is 2 Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it's fine. And I really do hope that it's the last time that we see her as Lori. Who knows? You know, like the ghoul always says, that money truck, boop, 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 could show up at her door and go, okay, one more. All right. <laughs> We're in it. Let's do it. Who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> you know, um, we'll see about that. Um, but speaking of, of, you know, again, Halloween ends having the day-to-date um, opening, which means that it was also on Peacock the same time it was in theaters. Uh, Christopher Landon, who directed Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day to you, Freaky, uh, he went on the Twitter and just fucking ripped it apart, this day-and-date model. And he went on Twitter and said, this happened to me on Freaky, and it destroyed us. We worked so hard to make a fun movie. Blood, sweat, and tears, months away from our families, and for what? They love to use the term, two bites of the apple. But that's just another way of saying we're going to use your movie as a guinea pig for our streaming services. And then he also added, dear studios, stop trying to suck two dicks at the same time on the sanctity of the theatrical experience. I'm like, ooh, dude, you might want to watch words. You want to make another movie? (laughs) But I appreciated his honesty because, I mean, I – I like the ghoul. I love the theater. I do. I love going to the movies. I love sitting in that seat. You have your pretzels and cheese. You got your soda. You're sitting in a dark movie theater with other people. It's a great fucking experience. But I also get the other side of the coin with watching it at home. You could pause it at any time. You can go to the bathroom. You can go get yourself a drink. You know, so it works for a lot of people. But at the same time, yeah, I do kind of wish that these movies would just be theatrical and not be released day and date. I don't know what you guys thought about it, and that's why I wanted to bring it up, uh, about the day and date model. What do you think about it? Monkey, go ahead. You go first. Okay. Yeah, it's me personally, I'm, I'm cool with the day and date thing because me, I, I'm not a fan of going to the movie theaters just because, like, to me, I've just never had a great experience with the sound in theaters. It's like it always seems off. The, and for me, visual, visually, it's just – it's always fuzzy it's not crisp it's not clear you know in certain movies it works other movies i want that shit super fucking crisp man you know i want avengers endgame i want that shit in like 4k because when you watch that shit on a 4k tv man it looks like it's like in a practically 3d coming off the fucking tv and it's like so deep and pretty to look at and it's just you know <sighs> compared to a movie theater experience it's just you're not gonna get that crispness and plus you know me man i always gotta get up and pee so, I, I, you know, I, I don't like to see any of the movie. That's just me. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I guess I, I guess fair enough. I mean, listen, I've got like probably out of the entire crew, I've got like the worst eyesight imaginable. So that, that's partially <laughs> why I, I sit in the rows that I sit in. Besides the fact that that you know, like I I just love to sit in a position in which the screen takes up the entirety of my my eye line. I just feel like it just launches me right into that that world itself. And I think, you know, I think everybody who listens to this show knows my feelings on the, on the theater and the theatrical experience. I think there, there is no comparison. There's no, no 4k television that competes with a giant TV, you know, a giant screen in front of you. There's, there's no 4k that, that gives you that same feeling when you're sharing a movie experience with an audience. And I do think Mm -hmm. that's where this day and date shit, um, where it's a home and theatrical release, I think that is where it hurts the most because you're not getting that full audience experience because so many of the audience are staying at home watching it as opposed to getting their asses in the seats. You know, I know when we, you know, Halloween, and I'm sure I didn't check to see what the the regular showings were uh, packed like, but like the IMAX showing that I went to, which I will say this, Fucking IMAX was amazing to watch it on. I mean, Michael, mm-hmm. and, and it was all larger than I've ever seen it in the entirety of my life, you know, and that, right. that was fun. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would say maybe the theater, which is, people were trickling in. So, so there were definitely more people than when I, when I initially bought the tickets. Um, but, like, I would say maybe i'd be stretching if i said the theater might have been a tenth full maybe you know if that mm-hmm. so yeah you know if there were again like i said if there were 100 fucking seats you had 10 people in there um my count was probably you know i, I think the those theaters are gigantic i forget how many they hold maybe there were 20 to 25 people total yeah. wow and I saw it in uh, just regular theater. I didn't see it in IMAX. I just saw it in 2D. And there were five people, aside from myself, watching uh, Halloween Ends. So, yeah, I counted a total of five people, you know, as I was sitting in my seat. So it wasn't packed. It definitely wasn't a packed showing. Now, again, I saw it on Thursday. So maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, and had a a more packed uh, audiences. I mean, it raked in $41 Uh, at the box office, knocked off uh, Smile from the number one spot, but they were projecting $55 million. So it, to me, it's still a success, you know, but then again, you know, a lot of it has to do with streaming. So, you know, more people are sitting at home watching on streaming than going to the theater. I mean, it, it takes a hit, you know, from the staff. And that's why I'm so worried about the state of yeah. the theaters. My like, please don't close. Please. <laughs> I will go see every fucking movie if it means that you guys aren't going to close. Like, I like watching movies at home. I do. But I just love being in the theater. I just, I, even if there's five people in the theater, like, we five people are experiencing something together. And we all get to walk out together after seeing it. I just, I don't want to see it go away. Like, it's just, <laughs> we, I'm scared We all get it. to take that walk of shame together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Nobody's looking at each other. Everybody's just staring at the ground. <laughs> 
Throw your popcorn in the trash. Put your 3D glasses <laughs> in the t- trash can. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but I but I do agree with what what you're both saying though about though. Um, well, I prefer watching movies at home. Um, you know, I I don't really need to have the date you know right away because I also you know like you guys firmly believe that it really, really does hurt the filmmakers, and they're not getting their mm-hmm. fair shake of what they could be for the money that could be made for these movies. And, yeah, I think they're getting a raw deal when they do it, like, <laughs> except yeah. for Halloween, yeah. the, except for the Halloween well, trilogy. Yeah. F- fuck that. Well, yeah, But we'll get to that next week. <laughs> oh, we're edging you guys. Yeah, we really are tonight. <laughs> it's going to be a <laughs> Especially because one of us liked it. Guess who did? Look at look at that little bubble. You see that little bubble right there? That little little thing. Yeah. Now stop. Um, so yeah, I have, I have a couple more things I want to talk about because I, I I have some stuff for the monkey I want to talk about. But this is one that I just pulled up because I had um, Halloween three, season of the witch. You know, it's the one that people are divided about. Love it. Do I like it? Do I hate it? Because Michael isn't. In it. I happen to love it. I love Halloween three. Like, I love it as a standalone so Halloween fun. movie. It is a fun movie. Tom Atkins is at his best, you know, just smoking cigars and drinking beers and trying to figure out the mystery <laughs> of the Silver Shamrock. So, and banging that chick in the motel. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Getting that ass, you know. But anyway, uh, so Tom Lee Wallace, who directed the movie, decided to write a book that's going to be coming out via Bear Manor Media this November. And it's called Halloween 3. Where the hell is Michael Myers? The Definitive History of Horror's Most Misunderstood <laughs> Film. So you'll be able to get it uh, this November via Bear Manor Media. Uh, Wallace said, I really wanted this to be a kind of truth-telling thing. There are various myths and stories attendant to the project, especially regarding Nigel Neal and the original script for the movie. I wanted to give it all a good airing out and tell the truth, as I know it, about what went on and how we changed Nigel's script to the degree that he felt he needed to take his name off of it. We, being producer-composer John Carpenter and I, doing two separate rewrites on it. But since John never put his name on it, I wound up with the sole writing credit, which is ridiculous credit because it's so inaccurate. So I can't wait to read this fucking book. Like, just to figure out, like, what went on behind the scenes with this movie, because it is one of those movies where it's just there were so many people writing scripts for Halloween 3, and John just wanted to be involved with the score, and that was it. And then he ended up getting a producer credit, so... I just, I love the movie. Like, I know people don't like it. People still to this day don't want to give it a fair shake. But I just think Halloween 3 is just, it's required viewing for the spooky season that we're in. Like, it's so much fun. Like, fuck Michael. He's not in it. It's not like the one that we're going to talk about next week, where he's kind of not in it either. This one's actually you tease you. (laughs) Oh, making you edge. So, yeah, we got that coming next month, so I'll definitely be picking that up. Um... These next two items are specifically for the monkey, because I found two things I wanted to talk about that he might be excited about, but we'll see how he feels. Uh, So to celebrate Godzilla Day on November 3rd, Toho will be releasing 2002's Godzilla against Mechagodzilla in over 450 theaters nationwide for the first time ever in the United States. The movie will have subtitles. Try to get me to go to the theater. (laughs) (laughs) So the movie... We'll have subtitles, along with a never-before-seen featurette directly from Japan, and an exclusive message from the fans from Toho's international chief Godzilla officer, Keji Ota. So, 
you might got to go back to the theater because this is never before seen in the U.S. Godzilla against ah. Godzilla. That's got to tie you in a little bit, monkey. I want to get you back into the Man. theater. This might be the one. And, and that's that's like, oh, my God, that's like one of my favorite Godzilla movies, too. <laughs> it's, you know, during that series of Godzilla uh, films where it was just one right after the other, you know, tying into each other, it's just so much fun. Yeah. Uh, Space Godzilla, Godzilla, Terramechas <laughs> of Godzilla, ah, Tokyo SOS, all those films. <laughs> so much fun. Nope, nope, nope. So nope, November 3rd? Nope, 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 not going to do it. It's not going to play around here. <laughs> I guarantee you it's probably not going to play around here. <laughs> it's not, you know, you're going to have to go to fuck all Harrisburg to probably go see that movie. So I guarantee you it's probably not playing like in, in this area. So, but 450 theaters, it's a fathom event. So you're going to have to go online and check it out. You might be in the theater. Might be you by yourself. You could get that classy VIP experience that the ghoul and I get when we go see a movie and there's nobody in it. <laughs> and you just fucking take your shoes off. You know, you know I'm putting my feet up on the fucking chair. I'm going to eat my fucking pretzels and I'm going to watch this movie with nobody in it. Like, oh, so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that, yeah. The, the last fathom I went to was when they re-released the Fifth Element in theaters. That was the last fathom <laughs> event I went to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this next one, monkey, uh, it's crowdfunding currently on Kickstarter. Legendary Comics is looking to release a 15th anniversary of the Trick or Treat Omnibus Collection. The special edition includes the original Trick or Treat graphic novels of the film, plus a brand new story called Trick or Treat: Days of the Dead which features Sam on a journey back through Halloween history. So if you go on oh, the Kickstarter, see, man, you can get your copy. See, Not that's in what they were talking about, uh, But that's what they were talking about originally doing for the second movie, was having <clears throat> excuse me, yep. uh, different tales of going through time, backing, uh, jumping all over, and instead of it being all on one night, just different nights of Halloween throughout history. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. so they made it into a little graphic novel uh, that you could get on Kickstarter. Again, like I had said, it's not going to be retail, so they're not planning on releasing it in stores. It's only through the Kickstarter that you can buy a copy. So if you, if you like the movie as much as the, the monkey and I do and you want to read that new story because we are far away from a trick-or-treat too, even though Michael Doherty says that he's actively pursuing it, you could read about Sam in graphic novel form. And you keep them alive. Keep the yeah, I'm so, of su- I'm so alive. surprised there was never a follow-up to that. I can't believe that that is not more popular than it was. Right. I completely agree with you, Gould. It's a fantastic movie. I just I don't think enough people have seen it. Like even the the dean was like, I've never seen that movie. Like, well, how? <laughs> Such a great movie. It's so fun and it's so eccentric to Halloween, but. Yeah, enough people. I just don't think know about it. That's why you never got a Krampus too. Because people are like, oh, I don't like yeah. this movie. <laughs> Unfortunately, on the on here, uh, if you pledge fifteen dollars on the Kickstarter, you can get a okay. PDF of the Omnibus Collection. But if you actually mm. want a physical copy of it, then you have to pledge sixty dollars or more to get this mm. Omnibus Collection, the the fifteenth anniversary uh, Trick or Treat Omnibus. Yeah, you gotta, dude. You gotta do sixty dollars or more, man. Sixty. Wow. <laughs> that is nuts. Um, 
I might go with PDF. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love physical copies. And as the monkey knows, I have plenty of physical copy books just scattered fucking everywhere. Like, yeah, you know, and I'm the same way about my column <laughs> books, too. <laughs> yeah. I just, even books that I haven't even fucking read yet. I just have them on my shelves and on my dresser and on the floor and wherever else I can put books. Um, yeah, 60 bucks, a little steep. Um, but, you know, I'm sure people will get it um, and enjoy it. Uh, but speaking about books, uh, there's a company called Lil Cinephile. That's L-I-L Cinephile. And they're a company that wants to introduce those little boils and ghouls out there about the magic of cinema. So their first book, book is a three-volume board book series, and the first one is titled My First Giallo Horror, which features lurid <laughs> thrillers and leather gloves with adorable kid-friendly illustrations, a tongue-in-cheek ode to Argento, Bava, Fulci, Matei, among others. And the other two books in the series will be My First French New Wave Film and My First Film Noir. So, yeah, this little cinephile company is like, yeah, we want to introduce the kids early. So let's have them get my first Jello, which I'm like, that's a fucking adorable. <laughs> They're making uh, my first Jello for children to read with this wonderful illustration, and it's on the uh, the Facebook page for you guys to check out. But they have all these little illustrations of of Jello films for the little boys and ghouls out there to read and get introduced to. So when they're ready and of age, they can watch Suspiria and all the Argento movies and Fulci movies. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and I've seen these type of books in Target and stuff like that, but it's mainly like um, Marie bought her kid one, which is like all about Bowie, and it's all about rock, and it's all about like the Ramones and Bowie, and it's like R is for the Ramones and B is for Bowie, and I was like, so these books are out there introducing these little kids to, to rock and stuff like that, and I thought that was cool, but I was like, yeah. I was like, if I had a kid, that would be his first book. You know, you're going to bed? All right, let me read you my first yellow. Chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're guaranteed, like you're guaranteed to put any kids in bed. I'll tell you that much, man. You'll be putting them right this week. Dad, stop <laughs> or like Samuel, okay, no, or, no. Or like Samuel Jackson's "Go the fuck to sleep." <laughs> <laughs> good night, moon. His version of "Good night, moon." Uh, yeah. Go the fuck to sleep. Uh, yeah. Um, so, back in 1996. You know, blockbuster-type season, mid-'90s, a lot of movies are coming out. There was one that you guys might remember that starred Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt, and it was called Twister, and it was all about yeah. the finger of God. There's cows. There's cows. Yeah. That I got to go. Uh, we which... got cows. <laughs> Thank you, Star. <laughs> a movie. Yeah, Jimmy Gertz, always good. A movie that I really do enjoy. I love that fucking movie, even despite the ending where they tie their fucking belts to a fucking metal post and survive an F5 uh, tornado. <laughs> they come out like, we did it! Woo! Yeah. That's not possible. <laughs> All right? But anyway, my point is, is that Amblin Entertainment and Universal are currently working on Twisters, a sequel to that 1996 movie where they're oh. hoping that Helen Hunt will come back but I really don't care because Bill Paxton passed away. Philip Seymour Hoffman passed away. I was like, you can't make a Twister movie without Bill Paxton. He walked up to a tornado and threw a whiskey bottle at it. No, can't do it. But, yeah, they're, they're moving yeah. forward. And, with and the grandma, she passed away. Yes. <laughs> they're all gone. 
I mean, it's, but, yeah, you know, so, what year did that come yeah. out? 97, 98, something like that, man? 96. I mean, it's, uh, it's, okay, so 96, which we're talking 20, 20, what, almost 20, 26 years now? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, from what I've heard is the, the, the writers are, are going with it being their daughter um, mm-hmm. or their kid. Uh, you know, obviously they want Helen Hunt to come back as well. But, you know, under yeah. the, obviously – under natural circumstances, those actors did pass away. So yeah. it wouldn't be unnatural for them to write in the fact that those characters oh, yeah. as well. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't hate the idea of a twist or two. I, I, I was never the biggest fan of the original movie anyway. Um, <laughs> Dude. But it's like, it's like one of those wow. things where it's like... I mean, listen, I like a good disaster film, but you know what? I prefer shit that fucking... Like, I like meteors coming from space doing massive <laughs> amounts of damage. Not some fucking wind whipping around, picking up fucking the Wicked Witch of the West and shit like that. Um, oh, he, he wants to go back to the core. Whiskey <laughs> yeah. fucking shit. Don't talk to me about core, bro. I had fucking physical therapy yesterday. They introduced some fucking new exercises to me for my core, okay? I'll tell you something. I didn't know I had abs still. Okay, those fucking things are still in there from high school. Okay, but I certainly fucking felt them yesterday after having to hold a ball on my belly with my fucking knees up to it and then slowly extending each leg but not laying it down. It has to hover for like oh, fucking seconds. Oh, you had to do that? I thought I... You, I thought I was going to be You had to do that, okay, too? that's what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was fucking great. I love it. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is going to kill me, but, but sure thing. It's going to make me better, too, at the same time. When I'm dead! When I'm dead! <laughs> but speaking of dead, again, back to Twister 2. Um, so, yeah, with Twister. those characters all being dead. My, my, my bigger issue is, is simply that is there really, uh, in a world in which we have fucking introduced six Sharknado movies, is there really any need for Twister 2 at this point no. in life? Like, can they honestly show us None. anything in the movies with, with tornadoes that we have not already seen, whether in real life or with horrible movies like Firecano and, and fucking, you know, Ball fucking, Lava I don't know, Ball Lava and, fucking Asteroid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then, then then there's also Clown NATO out now, too. <laughs> they see yeah. the fucking Revenge of the Juggalo. That one was fucking terrible, but yeah. I, I have a soft spot for Twister, you know. And I love the fact that uh, they ended up taking out the Ghostbusters attraction in Universal in Orlando to put in Twister... The ride, ride it out. It was hard. I was like, so essentially, you're it just was standing in a place with a wind machine. <laughs> so much fun. Like, I'm standing in here and looking at a wind machine. <laughs> you took out Ghostbusters for that? But, yeah, that was the hot thing in 96 was, was Twister. Dude, Diva and I went on our honeymoon to go check that part out. Like, And maybe it was just because we literally just got off the mummy from riding the mummy three times. Then we went straight to Twister, and we went in there. We were like, we're just standing in a room, watching a bunch of shit slowly move around. I this watched sucks. a video of it. I was like, wow, that's all it is. It's like, oh, yeah, that's just it, it was Twister. <laughs> There's the fucking wind machine, and whoa, right yeah, out, my it god, was, it was, it was so horrible. <laughs> Yeah, you needed that fucking Bill Paxton show up and being like, man, that sucked, didn't it? <laughs> Just go watch the movie. 
<laughs> here's some money. Here's some money back. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Game here's over, for man. You. Here's some money for you. <laughs> um, so the last thing I wanted to say before we get into the movie here tonight was that Chucky Season 2 is currently airing on Sci-Fi and on USA. But next week, Episode 4, WWE's Liv Morgan is going to have a guest spot. So, Ghoul, I know how much you love her, so watch her on Chucky. Get to see what I mean, she does. You know, I'm not, not going to drop the L word anytime soon with her, Ooh, but I do, but the what? do enjoy. I enjoy what? that. Load? That, 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 oh, no, that, that I'll drop. That, that I'll drop. I'll drop that L word. <laughs> Oh yeah, that'll be my that that would be my finishing move. The uh, there'll be no edging involved there. It would just be the load. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 she is a very attractive uh, young woman, and uh, yeah, she's she's very talented. And I, I, who knows? I might actually finally watch another episode besides the first one. Um, yeah, I, 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 think yeah, I, good. I think I made it like I think I made it like two or three episodes yeah. into the first season, and <laughs> yeah. then I was like, yep, nope, I'm just, yep. just moving on to something else. Yeah, I'm the only one that's watched every episode plus season two because I'm, I'm deep into season two now, but. Um, the seeing Liv Morgan next week would be cool, but also it's that thing where people are now speculating when she's going to be part of Bray Wyatt's Wyatt Six, um, because Bray Wyatt is back. We are wrestling fans, the ghoul, the monkey and I, um, and he cut <laughs> one hell of a promo on Friday night because he's going to be on SmackDown. So he came out last week and he cut one fucking hell of a promo where it you know wasn't what you were going to expect. I mean, he's full of tears, thanking everybody. And then they cut to the end where all of a sudden you see the mask and him telling him, like, you know, he ain't seen nothing yet. So it's like, oh, alter ego, Bray Wyatt. That's what we expect. I can't fucking wait. I just feel so fucking happy that Bray Wyatt's back. Like, I freaked the fuck out when we watched Extreme Rules. <laughs> I think I was we know. coming all the way. <laughs> I was like, pre-come, coming, loads, loads. <laughs> you know, just to see my boy Bray Wyatt back, bringing out the lantern. Um, but, yeah, speculation is that Liv Morgan might be ending up uh, in his uh, little faction, the Wyatt Six. We'll have to see who else joins up because I know that Bo Dallas also re-signed at WWE. He could be doing it, and we'll see, because uh, Liv Morgan is dating Bo Dallas in her life. So I, was like, I wouldn't be surprised to see them join the Wyatt Six. It gives well, me hope, until, man, that's until she meets you know, the tool. Just, I'll be honest, it gives me hope, man, because you know what? If, if that tool can totally get her, man, then you know what? I, I probably could, too. Believe. Yeah, I know. So, we'll see. But anyway, uh, so let's get into the movie for tonight, which is my pick, The Lady in White from 1988, directed by Frank Lalagia. Hit you with the plot. Locked in the cloakroom after school at a Halloween prank, Frank, played by Lucas Haas, meets the ghost of a young neighborhood girl, Melissa Ann Montgomery who had been found strangled to death 10 years before. Frankie soon learns that nine of the children have been killed in the years since, and with the spectral help of Melissa and her mother, a grieving apparition known as the Lady in White, he attempts to discover the murderer before he becomes his latest victim. Uh, as I said last week, this is a movie that was on heavy rotation back in the day um, on HBO, and that's how I caught it. Um, it's kind of kid-friendly, um, but there were some scenes that genuinely freaked me out. I mean, there's a scene towards the end uh, with two characters that we'll talk about that really freaked me out when I was a kid. But otherwise, I just love the vibe of this movie. Like, it was taking place in 1962, 
the whole town felt really kind of Halloween inspired because of the holiday, you know, with the candy corn and all the decorations. And then you get the Christmas and it just had this kind of wholesome feel. But at the same time, there was a kind of weird ghost story happening with a child killer and trying to figure out who was killing these kids. You know, is it the janitor? Is it somebody else? Like, I just, I really just enjoyed the vibe of the entire movie. Uh, but with that being said, uh, Ghoul, what did you think about Lady in Wait? Uh, so this is my first time ever seeing this. Uh, truth to tell, it's the first time I ever even heard of this movie. Um, okay. I, like, I, don't, I don't remember seeing this in the video store. I, I don't remember ever catching it on cable or seeing the name of it or, or anything. Um, you know, I mean, it is a kind of like you told us last week. It is a family-friendly introduction style horror film you know you could watch this mm-hmm. with children and and yeah. you know what it's not gory it's not all that violent it's not there's not no. terribly frightening imagery um no. it has all that like that that 80s superimposed charm that you kind of lose out once cg comes into into play in in films and, and television uh mm-hmm. I mean, look, you know, the story wasn't always completely engaging, and, the, you know, the fucking villain was definitely obvious. I mean, you kind of knew it right from, <laughs> yeah. you know, pretty much from his introduction. But, but yeah, you know what? I probably would have really <laughs> enjoyed this movie had I caught this at, like, I don't know, maybe the age of, like, nine or ten. I would have found it yeah. very engaging. And, you know, I, I like some of the cast, you know, like Lucas Haas. Um, you know, like, I know he goes on to, to do a number of things. I mean, I'll always know him as yeah. Brian White. You know, that, that that's is, me too. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I see that kid and that fucking movie is just the only <laughs> yeah. thing I can think of. Man. I forget what actual Ryan White looks like because I think Lucas Haas is Ryan fucking White. Um, and, you know, I know the, 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 the brother Gino is uh, from Saturday, uh, Saturday the 14th strikes back. Um, and Explorers. You know, and, and yes, and Explorers. There we go. That was the I couldn't think of one other fucking movie I knew him from. Yes, thank you, explorers, man. Uh, he's so much older looking in this. You know what I mean? He kind of had that like doughy young look in that. Um, you know, and then the dude who plays the uh, the guy that works at the airport in Die Hard Two. You know, he's he's playing the sheriff in the movie. Um, but yeah, overall, overall, it's fun. It is a fun, friendly film. You, I can't, I, there was nothing about it that I could really complain all that much about. Well, also you have Alex uh, Rocco playing the dad, who is Mo Green in The Godfather. And he was in that thing yes, you do. Yes. He did a lot of voice acting. So, yeah, the guy that plays Angelo, you know, his dad. So, yeah, he's oh, got no, a, a no, lot no, to I know, it. I know exactly. He actually, he was also, you know, a, uh, he's one of those. He was, you know, pretty much a known criminal before becoming an actor. Uh, involved with a number <laughs> yeah. of shady enterprises, and then yes, yes, he does go on to become mm-hmm. a uh, you know a, a a fairly popular character actor. Yeah, and also Mona from Who's the Boss, playing uh, the lady. That was life. Mona. Dude. Oh my god, yep. I could yeah. I totally thought so. I'm like, holy shit, is that her? And then there was like a like I'm looking at her. I'm like, wow, that is really her. And then they're like, they cut from a different angle, and I'm like, man, you know, I didn't even bother following up to look, you know, because I figured it was definitely not her. Okay, wow, okay, yeah, definitely Mona from fucking Who's the Boss. Thank you. Yeah, you're spot on. But, all right, so, uh, Monkey, what do you think about Lady in White? All right, uh, 
also weird that we have three picks in a row for Halloween with all annoying kids in the lead roles. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll see if Dean can break the cycle. Um, for the movies, first off, <laughs> the film did have some, <laughs> the, the film has a co- some issues for me. It, like we start with this frame story of an author to introduce us to the town yeah. and the story, but they forget to go back and give us a closing to that part of yes, the story. They, they forget to close <laughs> yeah. the frame story. It's like the, 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 they forget to go back and be like, oh, yeah, so, you know, this is what happened. You know, Pop ended up marrying the teacher. You know, uh, my brother went on to become a paranormal investigator or some shit like that. Mia went on to become an author. You know, they forgot to close the, that frame story so that annoyed the fuck out of me um yeah it's like you know we just should have had some kind of wrap up to just close the events of the town um and the movie doesn't have the feel of a horror movie but it does no. have like a, the, the feel of a 1980s wonderful world of disney film like it really mm-hmm. had a sense of warmth about it like a really welcoming small town America feel to it at first, but then as events turn, you know, the the film tries really hard to turn itself into a film about a murder mystery, ghost, family, and then also a story about humanity. Did it all work? Uh, let's just say, we'll, we'll leave it if they tried really hard. And I appreciate the effort. Uh, right. What I, what I did not appreciate was the two-hour runtime. Um, I, I could have seen that being shaved because to me there were like a lot of lulls in there where if you wanted that two hour you instead could have used some of that time to do the wraparound but like you always said yeah yeah, but like but like you always said man it's like you know now watching it like i see completely where you come from about this is a very family-friendly horror movie it's like this is you know right up there with you know uh other movies like um uh oh fuck i had it on the tip of my tongue now. Never mind. But just, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. we'll cover it next no, year at Halloween. No. But, but, yeah, sure. But, and, and, I, and I loved all of just the mapping that they did for the ghost and stuff. I thought they did a really good job with all of that. And, and I was surprised on how crisp and clean those ghosts were. So, you know, props to them on those effects. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, similar to Ghostbusters. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very similar. Um, yeah. And like, I agree. Like this movie definitely could have been shaved down a little bit. Um, because at some points in the movie, I'm like, yeah, they could have cut that out or moved on to something else. But you know, as a whole, like I still, it had been a little while since I had seen this movie again, because I bought it on DVD a couple of years ago. I watched it and then I watched it for this episode. And I was like, you know what? This is still a movie that I would introduce kids to, you know, just be like, you know, you want to see a movie that doesn't yeah. have a lot of tits or gore. Like this is a perfect one. Like, it's, it's not so scary where they're going to have nightmares, but it's also, I think it'll keep their attention. Um, but when we open the movie, we see a man arriving in an airport and being taken by cab to Willow Point Falls. The man is a famous author now who writes scary stories, according to the cabbie. They arrive at the Willow Point Falls Cemetery, where they stop in front of the graves of Melissa Ann Montgomery and Ann Montgomery, mother and daughter. Did you know them? 
a long time ago. And he's like, oh, okay, we're going to get one of these stories? Okay, I'll just kind of sit down. <laughs> you know, like, this poor fucking cabbie standing there for fucking two hours while this guy tells the story. He's like, you know, I, I, I got to go back to work. And like, no, no, it's all right. No, no. no. Let's wrap the story he's up. Like, he, he's like, whatever, Charlie, meet us running. It's your time. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you got the money. Uh, so we cut back in time to Halloween 1962 where the man is just a boy, Frankie. And we see that the town is all decorated up for the holiday of Halloween. Like I said, the candy corn in the bowl, the decoration in the windows, very Mayberry. Uh, Frankie is dressed up as a vampire and is heading out to school as we see that he lives with his father, Angelo, Al, his older brother, Gino, and his grandparents with his grandfather constantly wanting a cigarette and his grandmother going, no, you don't, no, you don't. Like, you know. And I, I love the grandparents. They were the great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Gino and Frankie ride their bikes uh, to school, and during that whole thing, they get chased by dogs. They jump large gaps in the woods. Frankie getting sh- sprayed by a hose, nearly causing a four-way <laughs> crash into the street, and upsetting a nun and some Catholic school kids. It ends with Frankie's brother scaring him while wearing a wolf mask, and Frankie taking a fucking nosedive right into wet cement. Oh, man, that looks pretty bad. Are you hurt? What does this look like? Ketchup? <laughs> You know, as we see, they're just fucking bloody as shit. <laughs> you know, and Covered they, you in know, cement. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, so I'm going to go get this paper towel. <laughs> it's like, you need a fucking hose. You don't need paper towels. You need a fucking hose. <laughs> I just yeah, felt bad for that so we, bike, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the fucking tires are all, like, coated. You know, that shit's yep. going to start drying. Um, yeah. yeah, you know what? I, I really enjoyed the entire, like, the, the the whole sequence of them riding, you know? Like, it just, it reminded me of yeah. when I was a kid. Because, you know what? Mm-hmm. Like, in yeah. Staten Island, you know, I used my bike fucking all the time to get any and every friggin' wear. And, like, you know, yeah. seeing them do, yeah. like, the whole jump thing and everything, like, you know, and, and it's just funny because, like, how I perceived it was, like, it really wasn't this giant jump, but that's how you see it as a kid. Like, I know, like, I went back to, like, my, my old stomping grounds when, when I was older back over there, you know, and mm-hmm. I went to the creek area and everything, and where some of it was gone, there were still some areas that were still exactly as they were back then. And it just amazed me how small it all really was. You know, that right, like, yeah. large gap that was just <laughs> so huge when you're like, you know, nine, ten years old. As like, you know, a 20-something adult, you're looking at it like, wow, man. Like, yeah, no, this just really isn't what I thought it was. Or, you know, but it just, it just it blows my mind when I think about that stuff as, as a kid versus as an adult, you know. So capturing yeah. that, that, like, that wonder of that entire thing, they just did a great job of that at the beginning here. Yeah, how we see the world. Um, but then Frankie arrives at school, and, of course, all the cement is dried on his cape and on his mask and on his bike. And then he arrives at school where there's a killer fucking Halloween party taking place with Mr. Bassman playing on the record player. Dude. But really, we have to fucking settle down because Frankie's got a fucking story to tell. So everybody shut the fuck up. <laughs> Frankie's oh, going to tell you a story. The beast that destroyed London. And, of course... You know, we have Donald, who I know from Pet Cemetery 2 is yet another fucking bully that bullies the shit out of Edward Furlong in that movie. So he shows up in this movie playing another bully uh, with his friend Louie. Uh, but once the, the kid, story ends... He's the kid from Overboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It is. And yeah, big. Well, well. I like and, it when you Yeah, and big. Yeah. And he was in big, too. Yeah. So, yeah, so once the story ends, the bell rings and class and school is over, everybody's deciding they're going to grab their shit and leave. And then Frankie gets hit on by his crush. A girl in class goes, I wish I was as weird as you. I was like, damn, if I was in school at his age and a girl said that to me, I'd be like, dude, I want to marry you. Like, let's fucking go. <laughs> let's just do it. <laughs> you know? dude, nope. The look on her face. <laughs> she said it to him. I like legit like started cracking up because it was just yeah. so fucking absurd. Like and just just the wording and everything, and then and then the grin on his face like he was fucking ass. Like, like I don't know, man. I'll tell you what. Nineteen like nineteen eighties. If some chick turned around and said that to me, I'd be fucking horrified. I feel like oh my god, I'm never getting laid for about the entirety of me of my life. Yeah, see, I'd be hard as shit. I'd be like, oh, God, pre-cum. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> you know, thank you. Thank King, you for noticing. King's first, King's first erection in third grade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nine years old. She just gave me a fucking hot job because she called me weird. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so school bullies, Donald and Louie, they find Frankie's cap, and they hatch a plan to lock him in the school's coat room. Classic 80 bully style. Um, the dude would talk about how cold it is outside the Frankie, and then he's like, oh, shit, my cap's inside. You know what? It's all right. Like, I'll get it tomorrow. Like, it's not a big deal. And then Donald tells him, uh, it's actually not all good, because what if the janitor takes it and gives it to one of his insert racist word here, kids? And Donald makes a remark about the girl that has a crush on him, so Frankie just straight up fucking punches Donald in the face. Mm. One punch. Lays Girl's him crush. out. Boom! <laughs> like, yeah. knocks him out. It doesn't just knock him well, on the yeah. ground. Knocks him the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Just knocks him. He's like, what the fuck happened? And he's like, you just got your ass knocked out. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> so Frankie runs back into the clearly now haunted fucking school while the janitor is busy waxing the floor. He blows out the candle and a jack-o'-lantern and enters the coat room to get his cap and gets locked in by the bullies. With no way out, Frankie climbs up next to the window and waits in hopes that somebody will find him. But soon night arrives and he's no closer to being let out. He eventually falls asleep as the church bells begin to ring and he dreams of his mother's funeral. At the funeral, he sees his mother Marianne knitting while his brother and father play a game of catch on the set of the Children of the Corn. There's a lot of fucking corn in that fucking scene. Uh, he begs his mother not to leave, but she's unfortunately still fucking dead as he wakes up fucking crying. And I felt so bad. Like, when he wakes up fucking crying, I'm like, oh, it's okay, dude. Like, it's going to be all right. Like, you know, you're going to get saved. I mean, you know, don't cry. <laughs> and, they, and they throw some fucked up imagery at you in this scene, man. Just yes. one right after the other. Scene slide in the scene, you know. So good stage work there. Yeah. So as he wakes up and he's crying, he sees the ghost of a girl appear looking for her present. She's talking to someone and singing their favorite song. Have you ever seen a dream walking? The ghost girl sees Frankie and gasps. She's now scared, and we see her hair being pulled and her dress being ripped as she tries to fight back against an invisible force. She screams for her mom as she's strangled to death. Footsteps are heard as her body lays on the floor. The girl's body is lifted up, and she's carried out of the coat room. Frankie is frozen with fear as a figure appears at the door, attempting to get into the coat room. A man appears and pries open a vent in the floor to retrieve something. A rat gives away where Frankie is sitting. He pulls down his mask, 
just kind of like protection, you know, as a kid would do. But he eventually is strangled by the man and passes out. Like, dude, like you got a kid getting fucking strangled in this movie, nine years old. And you see this poor fucking kid getting strangled. Like, okay. <laughs> Only an idiot. Uh, but this is the whole... <laughs> the fucking the whole... getting started purple, man. He's, he's having a fucking <laughs> out-of-body experience the whole night. They made this shit seem fucking great, man. You know, they're like, oh, Dude, with no, it's choking the fuck out until you're floating over town. <laughs> yeah, he's floating next to the sun, and he's his dad on the phone calling people and his brother going through shit. And then he sees the girl that he wish he left a note for, you know, the girl that has a crush on him. I'm like, is he in hell? <laughs> he's like sweating, you know, as he's going through his son. I was like, what the fuck? Like, what are you going through? <laughs> Those kind of out-of-body the kind of shit I went through when I'd be on fucking LSD, man, when I was like a teenager. You know, I'd be like sitting there in my fucking bedroom and like fucking being like, man, I don't think I'm in here anymore. <laughs> And then, like, slowly, slowly you start, like, like the picturing yourself sitting in the box that is mm-hmm. your room. And then you go yeah. higher out of that, and you start, like, realizing you can build and see the entirety of your home and you sitting in that box in your room. And so forth and so forth. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe somebody can show two bullies tonight, at his know? fucking grave. When he's like, oh, yeah, I saw Donald and Louie, and they're at my grave, and they're mourning me. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> like this poor fucking kid. And then we see Angelo in the coat room giving him CPR so he'll wake up. So we see all the police in there. And then the police run down to where the janitor is, and Willie, who's fucking drunk off his ex, is like, what the fuck is going on? And they're like, you're under arrest, motherfucker. You tried to kill that kid. He's like, what? I didn't even know there was a kid in here. And they're like, yep. You're going. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Willie, no. You just do anything wrong. Well, it wrong. made sense. What? He was black. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That was the whole impetus behind it. Like, I was like, I was so shocked, you know, because I didn't really think about it as a kid watching this movie. I'm like, wow, they put that, that race thing right in there. But Willie's the obvious uh, suspect because he was in the school when where Frankie was. But Frankie eventually recovers it's, and Gina it's, rushes in with a newspaper. It's really more about yeah. the time that the movie's taking place in. You know what I mean? So as a kid, you it's might not be necessarily yeah. as mindful about the year that the movie's taking place in, especially if you're, let's say, watching it in 88 or the mid-90s or something like that, you know, where that kind of that kind of shit isn't, isn't really seen anymore, you know? I mean, like, this is some to, no, this is no. some to kill a mockingbird shit right here, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, now Stephen King wrote a lot of his stories, you know, that take place in the 50s. Um, so Frankie recovers. Gino rushes in with a newspaper that details the attack and that Frankie was nearly killed by a serial killer linked to 11 killings, all children over a span of a decade. While the janitor gets charged with the 11 murders and one assault. Swift justice in this town. Yeah, book him, Dano. You know, he's done. You know, so once that's alone, Frankie reads the newspaper and sees that Melissa Ann Montgomery was the killer's first victim. She was strangled and thrown <gasps> off a cliff oh, on the widow's peak. Oh, God, no. Which is also the hunting, the hunting ground for the lady in white, a mysterious long-robed woman that stalks the cliffs at night. He quickly has to run because he's visited by friends and family, Phil and Tony. Phil gifts Frankie hey. with a big bow and arrow set. Here you go, broken arrow. Here's your bow and arrow set. 
And that fucking guy is the father in Blue Bloods. And I fucking realized it watching this movie. I'm like, oh, shit, that's the guy from Blue Bloods. Um, uh, Len Carew. Uh, but Phil and Angelo go outside to talk. With Angelo not being so sure that Willie is the killer, Tony has zero doubt that, Will, that Willie did it. He's like, that fucking guy did it. I don't give a shit. And Angelo's like, all right, you need to go take a walk. So Tony takes a walk. And then we get this moment between Angelo and, and uh, Phil where he's like, I, just, I, I don't know what I would do if my son died. Like, I, I don't know what I would, like, they already lost their mom. I don't know what I would do. My biggest fear when I was a kid is my parents dying. And, like, Alex Waraco does such a great job with Al. Like, he's such a caring yeah. dad. You know, he is such a sweet, caring father to his kids while he works at the Ironworks. And, you know, yeah, they had the fun moments with the grandparents and, you know, sitting down to dinner. And I love that scene with the grandfather drowning himself because the grandmother took away his cigarettes. And she's like, you better not ruin that watch I got you. And he's like, God damn it. <laughs> the watch is in the water. <laughs> and then he tries to get up and he falls in the water. And there's his cigarettes. The lucky strikes floating in the water. I hit him in the drain. <laughs> but uh, I, also, I, though, uh, while, you know, they're uh, having the talk on the porch, you know, that's when mm-hmm. we sit there and l- learn about how, um, excuse me, un- Uncle Phil was adopted by Angelo's family, and he had yes. lost his family yep. early, mm-hmm. and he, he, you know, they they adopted him in and brought him in as a son, and you know, even though they're not brothers by blood, they you know definitely consider themselves brothers. You know, they have a like, great relationship. Hey, hey, yeah, they really do. Like yeah, you know, Tony so not so much, but Phil and and Al, they have such a great relationship. Um, but that night, as Frankie sleeps, Melissa enters his room and plays around with his things. And it was such a great little thing for 88 to have that effect of her walking around in his slippers and then breathing on the window and putting a little heart on the window. It's kind of a cool effect, you know, for, for 88 to have that done. And then we also see that the lady in white shows up outside the window. But oh, she has shit. to go because she has to clock in for her shift of haunting the cliffs. So she's like, oh, shit, what time is it? Oh, fuck, got to get back to the cottage. Got to go haunt the cliffs. Um, so later at a church sermon, the priest is talking about forgiveness and how we have to get over things. And Mrs. Siliac is like, yeah, sorry. Uh, really? Yeah. So uh, Mrs. Siliac interrupts demanding to know why her son, Richie, had to die. But Frankie was spared. And she also condemns Willie's wife, who is in attendance. So cutting some time later. And Frankie has opened up the vent in the coat room and begins pulling things out, like a toy, a hair clip, and also a class ring. Uh, Mrs. Celiac will return, just saying. And so, well, yeah, <laughs> she is not done. See, I mean, like, to, to the monkey's point now, though, like, where he's saying, yeah. like, this movie stretches a little bit long, like, this whole subplot is, like, yep. it's fucking pointless. It really, truly is. Yeah, All it's really doing is trying to say, hey, look how racist white people were back in the <laughs> 60s, folks. You know, because it, it, it doesn't so really true. fucking do anything so else in the story at all. It's not fucking pumping no. anything. It's really not developing character. It's it's nothing. You know, and, and ultimately it really does become a very fucking disappointing thing, as, it, it, yeah, it's, as we'll see when we get to, to it later. As it plays out. Yeah. Because we also have that scene where uh, Angelo, Al, is sleeping on the couch, and we have that news report about, like, the, the first black guy to go to college, like, in an all-white college. And I'm like, 
we didn't really need it. Like, it wasn't really necessary. Like, it just it was, I guess, because it's 62, you know, we have to put that in there. But it, it didn't drive anything of the plot. Like, it was just a news thing. Um, but we soon find ourselves at Christmas time. And late one night, a record player comes to life, begins playing, Did You Ever See a Dream Walking? Melissa's ghost shows up in the living room, and she again begs Frankie to help her find her mom. Then, of course, we get another Seasons of Change, and Frankie is in his thinking tree and looking at the things he pulled out of the vent. The mailman, a very fucking friendly mailman, shows up, and he's like, hey, Fred, what you doing in your tree? You got a package from Lake in Nebraska. Let me help you down out of this tree. And he's like, no, sure. Sure, mailman. Help me out of this tree. Because he has to rush home. And he drops the class ring in his room in the process of discovering a typewriter in the package. Score! Yep, I sold all those fucking cards and I got my typewriter. I'm like, wow, this is 62 as fuck. <laughs> he has to sell all those cards <laughs> to get a fucking uh, typewriter. <laughs> so Frankie yeah, runs but to come the iron on, man. It's, yeah, it's, right, yep. it's a good... Ghoul, you know, man, you've seen this a really in the Marvel comics, man. <laughs> where it was, you know, go, go, work for this company and sell this shit. You can get, you know, some walkie-talkies or the floating ghost thing or the X-ray specs. <laughs> you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. You see, clip this, yeah. Clip so this coupon in the back of your issue and fucking send <laughs> this in a check, pay, you know, a, a blank check. Payable to this name, and we will send you your very own personal X-ray glasses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, that's how I got my Ghostbusters shirt back in the day from the real Ghostbusters, eating all that Ralston shitty cereal and having to send in box tops and a check to get a with a grand T-shirt with Ghostbusters on it. Hey, I was I, I did it too. So we were all there. Um, so Frankie runs to the Ironworks where Al works. And he overhears the chief of police telling Angelo that the case against Willie is falling apart and that Frankie needs to positively ID him as the attacker. He also tells him that they found blood in the coat room that matches Melissa Montgomery. She was killed in that coat room. And then Phil appears asking Frankie what he's up to. And immediately Frankie's like, oh, guess what? I'm going to catch you up on everything that's going on. Yeah, Melissa was killed in the coat room. I found a ring. This was going on. And Phil's like, oh, really? I'm like, okay, the killer. So we're just we're just gonna go there now. <laughs> so like, really, that's what happened. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it did, it did. And I'm like, okay, so are we setting it up now? Like the ghoul had said, where it's like obviously Phil has something to do with uh, what's going on. No. Him getting so fucking upset on the porch originally was what fucking t- tipped it off. I mean, come on. You kind of okay. knew it from the moment the guy was introduced. He was the only, like, everybody else is all like, oh, you know, hey, this this is going on in the town right now. You know, he's so close to this guy. And yeah, I get it. He's kind of upset. But, again, he's the one who turns around, and he's like, well, he's black. You know, like, come on. The good guy doesn't say that. <laughs> so... We see Frankie, Frankie walking next to a house uh, that's owned by Amanda Harper. In this town, she is the recluse. Donald and Louis show up asking if Frankie wants to go to the cottage. He isn't too excited about it, but then eventually decides to go with them as Amanda watches them from an upstairs window. That night, the boys arrive at the cottage, Louis talking about how the lady in white committed suicide as the three enter the cottage. And immediately, Donald almost loses his tiny pet alligator, Sam. Because back in oh. the day, you could buy pet alligators at the store. Because that's not going to be a problem <laughs> later in life. 
the in the sewer. <laughs> oh, of course, flush it down the toilet. <laughs> That's what you do. Um, so the lady in white appears and scares Donald and Louie until they run away. She soon beckons with her hands to Frankie, which causes him to freak the fuck out and haul ass into the woods until he's tackled <laughs> by Gino, who Frankie immediately fucking knees in the balls. There goes my fucking children. <laughs> like, Jesus. So Frankie tries to explain to Gino the connection between Melissa, the lady in white, and the killer. He doesn't do a really great job of it because he lost that fucking class ring. But Gino might know where it is because he hid it in the chest that their father has downstairs. And I love the father who's like, there isn't anything important in that fucking chest for either of you to look at, so stay the fuck out. Like, is there cocaine in there? Like, is there something that you don't want your kids to find? <laughs> I just Why love the drop. It's, like, how, like, it's just memories. I just love how it's so subtly dropped where it's like, one of you guys has been in my chest again. Now, you know what, hey, Frankie, you know what I mean? So, so I'll give the writers that, you know what I mean? They kind of, like, said it without, like, literally, like, having to be like, hey, hey, Gino, I know you picked up that <laughs> ring and we had to watch you put it in that chest over there. They, they, they tried to, to really do it subtle. They, they tried their hand at writing. Yeah, because they, they have that whole thing about how he tells them that there's nothing of interest in that uh, chest. But also Gino wink, goes in the fucking Batman mode, and he's looking at the fucking two rings going, hmm, hmm, they're similar. That's my dad's, and, you know, who does this belong to? But, of course, we have the grandfather coming downstairs to smoke a cigarette, and Gino scares the fuck out of him. No fucking reason. Hey, golly! Just because he likes fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Just likes fucking with his grandfather, which I fucking love. Um, so one night, Melissa appears to both Gino and Frankie. The town clock begins to chime, and Frankie realizes that her nightly reenactment of her murder is about to begin. So they run down to the school as her murder is getting replayed. Her body is carried away, and the boys run from the school, with Gino being stopped after he hurts his foot. Frankie runs through the woods into the cliffs where he sees Melissa wake up to an unseen force. She didn't die from being strangled. She was fucking tossed off the cliffs. And, again, like, I just love the scene because she's fucking floating in midair and screaming for her mom and then goes, whoop, and there she goes down the cliff. So <laughs> we see that her killer likes to dump bodies off the cliff because that's the best place to do it. Um, and then Melissa's mother, Anne, appears from the cottage and runs to the cliffs. And once seeing that her daughter's dead, just decides to nosedive and kills herself because she can't live with the you fact know, that her daughter's dead. You know, and so, she's like, oh, so, shit, I have nothing to live for anymore. And just knows that. Uh, so, <laughs> sacrificing mom and all that stuff. I mean, you know, look, that, that's, that's, you know, we, we've seen that before. I have to say, though, Melissa, okay, her entire, like, struggle sequence, like, it's got to be the mm-hmm. most disturbing part of the movie. Yes. I mean, the kid, they Easily. really yeah. sell it. You know what I mean? She's screaming yep. for her mom. She's wailing, she's trying to fight, you know, it was like, it was kind of, like, it was depressing, it really was, I was like, wow, man, like, this is kind of fucking bumming me out a little bit, it's probably the only thing in the movie that I would think, maybe that, and like, the choking sequence, where I'd be like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, 
but if you got a younger kid in the room, you may want to be like, oh, kid, look over there real quick. Is that fucking Big Bird? Yeah. Uh, you know, let, let the scene play out, <laughs> and, uh, and then they can they can come back and look. We're like, oh, yo, go to the bathroom. Go, go get me see you. Well, here, I'll, I'll be an '80s dad. You know, hey, go get me my pack of cigarettes off the fucking table, okay? Breathe the ashtray. <laughs> but you you fucking nailed it, ghoul. Like when she is dangling in midair and she's like, Mom, mommy, mommy. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> this sucks. Because you know that she has to relive this every fucking night. Like every night her ghost comes back and relives this, whether people are watching or not. Uh, it's fucking terrifying. Um, but we cut to Gino in bed. He's sick because of the night before when he was out. And her, the grandmother is like chiding him, going, You shouldn't be out the late. That's why he got sick, you know, and you have to stay in bed all day. And then Phil shows up grabbing the bow and arrows, and he's like, oh, I'm going to take uh, Frankie out. And yeah, we're going to do some shooting after school. That's cool, right? And she's like, yeah, whatever, Phil. Like, just get out of here. <laughs> you know, all right. Now roll, do, now roll over and let me take your temperature. Ah. <laughs> oh, not the kid way. Not the kid way. That's <laughs> 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 a poop shoot. Oh. <laughs> but, I used to fucking hate that man as a kid. Like, and I'm sure Monkey, I'm sure you dealt with it fucking plenty too. You know, we just I did. We were just oh, yeah, bored I know, at, I the, did. at the wrong fucking time with that oh, goddamn yeah. glass fucking thermometer straight up the ass. Oh, oh the, I don't know if you had to, Did you have to deal with yeah, alcohol glass, yeah. baths when you got fucking when I, you got fevers? Yep, no, because my mom, my mom sucked at taking care of us. So <laughs> I, I always, oh. I, anytime I got sick, I had to take care of myself. My my mom was a fucking horrible nurse. It was right in the basement of my grandmother's house, right on the fucking standing mm-hmm. on the washer dryer, butt ass <laughs> yeah. fucking naked. Maybe if I was lucky, my tidy whiteies on, and fucking having to get like you know like rubbed down with a fucking with a a rag of just rubbing alcohol. Yeah, you know, yep. that that's what mm-hmm. helped break the fucking fever. Yep, I had the same what? thing. I yeah, I went through the same thing, and also the thermometer up the ass. I was like, why can't I just do it in my mouth? <laughs> I'm old enough. And nope. Yeah. And then just you laying in my parents' it. bed when my mother gives my temperature. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> laying in my parents' bed and having it done. Fucking poop right up the butt. And I'm like, this is going to be trauma later in life. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> no, um, look, don't give me anything about trauma later in life, all right, man? Okay, thermometers up the ass, all, all this and that, but you know, let me yep. tell you something. There ain't nothing worse in this world than the fact that I was fucking circumcised when I was like eight years old, okay? Having oh, full God. fucking memory of oh, what that God. entire eight? experience was was a fucking eight? nightmare, bro. Dude, don't even get me started. <laughs> oh, my God. Eight years old, Damn, dude. <laughs> too old. And you felt every... Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Nope. Hard pass. <laughs> I know. I feel so fucking bad now. I want to send you a yeah, you card. win. <laughs> yeah, you win. <laughs> he wins a childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, eight. Okay. But anyway, uh, so we see that Willie is freed. Like, they just don't have enough <laughs> evidence, so they end up freeing him. Oh, my Willie. Free. Free, free Willie. <laughs> oh, like the after eight, uh, after eight years old. <laughs> my fucking dick. <laughs> 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 I'm glad it was done to me when I was a fucking baby. I didn't feel anything. 
Honestly, like, yeah, childhood trauma over until that fucking thermometer went right up my butt. Dude, they pulled like, out a fucking needle, touch my bro, no lie. They pulled out a needle just for the fucking, I guess, the, the Novocaine, whatever the fuck it is, to, to inject to, like, numb the area. No, no lie, this fucking thing had to be, like, I don't know, like a six- or seven-inch needle for my little eight-year-old fucking piece of steel. No, I fucking bolted. I took off, man. I, like, I fucking, I ran, I hid. My grandmother grabbed me, dragged me out of the room, held me down on the fucking table, okay, for them to then fucking inject it. And, like, they have this giant needle, right? And all they're doing is these little fucking little pinpricks right around my little prick, okay? But then, like, to make it worse, right, they do the cut. They do all of this. You're fully conscious. It's not like they put you to sleep. They're like, no, whatever, no, man. If a, baby, ah. if, a baby can ha- if a baby can handle it, so can your dick. So they fucking cut it. They sew it, they sew it and stitch it. Okay, so, so now, so mind you, two weeks later, okay, my Aunt Jackie, the same aunt, okay, that, that took me to so many horror movies oh, as yeah. a kid for, for all, of, all of that trauma. She's like, and again, I'm going I'm to I'm do the New York thing. Oh, Keithy, I want to see this thing. What's this thing look like? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, and I'm God. like, oh, you know. Oh, no. You know, so, so out comes my bandage. My bandage is long, okay, looking like you, when you sprained your finger if you wrap your shit up with fucking bandage and shit. And she's like, oh, but you can't no. see anything. Let's take some bandage off, okay? So she's like unwrapping this shit. It was so fucking painful because it was stuck, okay? The bandage is stuck to your fucking dry, oh, no. bloody dick, okay? And then there's these, then your dick looks like a fucking, uh, like the spikes. Of a triceratops or a fucking like a snapping <laughs> turtle because you got all the stitches sticking out around your fucking oh, like God. your crown, you know. God, so it's like God a fucking. Damn. And I just remember looking at that and then peeling the scabs off with the stitches and being like, "Oh my God, oh. is my dick ever gonna be normal? Like what the fuck?" Well, you know what? I th- I think oh. having my foreskin for as long as I did is what aided in 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 me being blessed. The way that I am. So you know what? For all the jokes and laughs that that, that, that and the that horror story. that that gave me, there is a very happy ending to that story. <laughs> um, how do I go back into the movie after that? Great jury, free Willie. Yeah, the grand jury okay, that's where we are. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Willie. And he's acquitted, and he's like, yeah, we did it. So all the reporters are running up, and they're like, oh, great. You know, he's acquitted. Yeah, we did like, it. I just want to go back home, and I just want to be free. So Mrs. Silak shows up with her husband, and she's like, I just want to go apologize to him. Like, I was wrong. Like, he didn't do anything, and I'm going to apologize. Her husband's like, yeah, you do it. Like, I'm so proud of you. So we yeah, have, like, like you couldn't see this car. coming a mile we have his away. wife, Maddie. Yeah, we have his wife, Maddie, looking through the window, and she's like, oh, we're going to go home, baby. And he's like, yeah, we are. Miss Silak shows up, and she's like, Willie, you know what? I just really wanted to apologize. You know, I was wrong. And he's like, you know what? Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. And she's like, oh, by the way, this is for Richie. Bang! Shoots Damn! him in the fucking head and kills him. Blood all and over Maddie's the window. And wife gets a bullet to the shoulder. And Al is there, and he sees the blood on her shoulder, and he's like, oh, shit, she got struck, too. So, yeah, and Miss Silak's like, Richie! I'm like, God damn, this is fucking weird. (laughs) But, you know, they had to add it because it's 88. (laughs) And they wanted to show you something else. But, yeah, seeing Willie with the fucking head wound in the back of the car, I'm like, he didn't do anything wrong, he was drunk, but, you know, we move on. So Gino, even though he's sick, 
looks through Al's yearbook and studies the class rings. He finds the initials of his father on the one, and then the initials MPT on the ring that Frankie found. The ring belongs to Phil because he's the child killer. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> we cut to Frankie alone in a fucking clearing with Phil shooting arrows at a target. As Phil decides it's time to pack up and leave, Frankie jumps into the back of the Phil station wagon, and he's just kind of hanging out, putting everything back. And we hear Phil whistling and singing, Have You Ever Seen a Dream Walking? And Frankie's like, oh, yeah, I like that song. Have you ever seen a dream walking? Well, I did. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Phil was a child killer. And Frankie's like, holy <laughs> shit. And he locks himself in the fucking car. And Phil's like, hey, hey, hey. Like, let me in. Like, you know, what's wrong? And he, all of a sudden, he just goes, <laughs> And I was like, oh, evil face. <laughs> Phil <laughs> chases Frankie yeah. through the spooky woods downstage. Like I just you know, that I scene as a kid fucking terrified me. Like I was so fucking scary seeing Frankie in this car. Well, you know, like like okay, so, so here here's two things, right? One, we kinda glossed over it earlier too. When we have the whole sequence of uh of Frankie and Gino and they, they run off into 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 Dagobah. Um, I, I didn't know that they were able to repurpose the fucking the, the swamp from fucking Empire Strikes Back, but that's definitely the set that they were fucking using. I was waiting oh, yeah. to watch Yoda puppet, was like, show set. up and be like, oh, Gino, fuck you, um, you know, I never ever understand why, uh, other than plot points, obviously, why like you get characters in movies who, upon realizing that the person that they're with is like the evil villain, is like, hey, I'm gonna start acting real fucking suspicious all of a sudden. I'm a lock doors. I'm a fucking say weird shit. Like, let me tell you something. If you're ever in that fucking situation, act. Fucking normal, okay? Act right. normal until you're out and away from this fucking person. And then do the right thing and call the fucking police, okay? Do that, and I guarantee you, you won't get Phil looking at you with fucking angry face in the window. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And he disappears, and then he ends up getting stuck in the Ripping his own station wagon apart. <laughs> and he has to break himself out and run after Frankie. Uh, Frankie makes his way to the Montgomery Cottage as the Whitey White appears, but so does Phil, who catches up to him, and then he's like, you know what? You're a really beautiful boy. Like, so a lot of compliments coming from Phil. <laughs> he just wants his fucking ring back. Phil. He's like, just give me back the fucking ring. You're a beautiful boy. Give me back the ring. And then he starts to Squeak fucking strangle Frankie once again. This fucking kid gets strangled fucking twice in this fucking movie. Like, this poor fucking frail <laughs> kid. <laughs> Later in life, he will like his adult trauma. So he starts to trying to play the lady that, white. Not have that bead we were talking about earlier. <laughs> yeah. So Frankie wakes up in Melissa's bed, and the lady in white reveals herself to be Amanda Harper, the aunt of Melissa, and she's been living in the cottage since their deaths. Yeah, Mona from Who's Love. Mona, Angela, like Tony Danza. What are you doing here? I don't know. It's a cameo. <laughs> well, there's all these Italian really? Americans in this movie here, so I figured Whoa. I'd show up. Mona, what are you doing? Here's a lady in white. Whoa! Oh my God, does Angela what? know about this? Cool. What's your character name? Tony. <laughs> What's your character name? Tony. Like it always is in every fucking roll-up play. 
It's fucking Tony, because that's who I am. I like to be the housekeeper of this place. Me and my daughter Sam like to hang out. Mona, you're being really fucking weird right now. Looking all fucking old and shit, wearing white. Like, this is fucking weird. Tony, can you go back to the house? Okay, I'm just saying. There's like a fucking kid in your bed. Looks like you've been strangled I went out. Times. I went out on a limb once, and I took a risk, and I went by the name Anthony. Okay, and that, that, that was probably my best performance ever. <laughs> so, the lady in white explains to Frankie about how, you know, she's Amanda Harper and how she walks the cliffs at night. You know, she sees uh, the mother and daughter. But then she's like, you know what? I killed Phil. You have nothing to worry about. Uh, you do, because Phil shows up and fucking chokes her ass out. <laughs> just immediately... Yeah, it's like the fucking scene in Halloween where she's like, I killed him, it's fine. You can't kill the boogeyman. Like, Phil shows up, strangles her. Showed up with like mm-hmm. piano wire around her fucking throat. <laughs> Garrett, because mm-hmm. it's the fucking mafia out here. <laughs> Garrett. Like, hey, we're going to kill you now because, like, you know, you know too many of my secrets. And Tony Dan's like, whoa, I've got to get out of here. I'm just going to go back and put the vacuum cleaner on the fucking drapes because that's what I am. I'm you the know boss. What? <laughs> You know what's really good when you're wearing a lot of white flowing clothing? A lot of candles. A lot of candles around all that flowing white. She had every candle in the fucking United States in that fucking bedroom with Frankie. Like, she had every fucking candle ever made. And it's like, of course she knocks it over and the cottage begins to burn down. And the thing is that Phil could have simply just said, fuck it, I'm out of here, and let Frankie burn alive. And he's like, no. I got to bring him to the quits where I fucking like to have my hobby of dropping kids down. That's where he needs to go. I'm like, damn, dude. Like, you're really sticking to fucking character. He just likes to toss him off of there. So Frankie falls from the cliff or grabs a branch to keep him from falling to his death. The lady in white once appears, the real lady in white, the mother of Melissa, and it's like a fucking 80s deal music video with the fucking lightning and like, hey, I'm here. I'm like, oh, shit. Is Cole Diver going to start playing? <laughs> also, she's one of the three storms. <laughs> yeah, just she shows up, and I'm like, oh my god, it's like a fucking deal video. Like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm gonna save you. And then Phil tumbles off the cliff, and Melissa and her mother are reunited finally. And then Phil, attempting his best Michael Myers impression, Mama. To grab Frankie's ankle, and he's like, yep, I'm gonna take you. <laughs> Frankie's like, no, no, don't take me off the cliff. And that's when Gino and Al arrive with the police. And Frankie manages to get away from Phil's death grip and then immediately hugs his father. And then Al realizing, oh, fuck, Phil is a killer, but he totally enjoys strangling his son. This is kind of a weird thing for me. I don't know if I like that. (laughs) He kind of, he strangled my kid a couple times. Not cool. But you know what? Like, I love you, so I'm going to put my hand out and try to save you. But Phil being a killer and realizing. (laughs) (laughs) So... Phil is a killer and totally enjoys strangling his son, but still gets the hand from An- uh, Angelo. But overcome with shame, Philly, as he's called in this particular scene, takes the bad special effects dive into the rough waters below. I fucking loved it. Oh, it was such a cheesy no. fucking 80s. It's like, oh! I love it. And here it must have been a Disney movie because the villain died by falling. As it always happens in a lot of Disney movies. (laughs) So, yeah, Philly, as as Al calls him, falls to his death. And then when we get reunited, Gino, Al, and Frankie, 
and the police are just standing there watching the cottage burn to the ground. And, yeah, you know, it, it just cuts to the credits where we see, you know, have you ever seen a dream walking play? But, yeah, so the monkey's credits, I kept thinking, like, just from a standpoint of the fucking caddy, like, he's just half asleep going, oh, is that it? Like, we've been here for fucking, like, two hours. Like, you literally, like, <laughs> owe me $200. <laughs> the meter never stopped. Like, are we going to go home now or something? And he's like, no, no, just in a second. Like, that was the wrap-up. That was my childhood, and that was the lady in white. And I was like, no, no, cool, cool. Like, I get it. I mean, you went through a lot of shit, but, like, I've been here for, like, two hours. My wife is starting to wonder where I am. I mean, it's like yeah. they don't have cell phones. Like, I can't call <laughs> I have to drive my cat home listen, at this point. Listen, the cabbie was fucking weird to begin with, though. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, Sam... Sam happened to be in the room when they pulled up to the cemetery to begin with. So, like, when he gets out of the car and then the taxi cab driver comes out with him and she's like, why is he going with him? And then he's like, why is he, why is he, walking, why is he walking in the cemetery with him? Like, what is going on here? And then they're standing right next to him, all shoulder to shoulder. Like, okay, uh, personal space? Um, I'm just trying to have a moment here. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that was a great guys. story and all. <laughs> I mean, hey, that was a great story and all, but, like, can you autograph the following 15 books that I have in the trunk of my car? My wife loves your shit. <laughs> all right. I mean, so that's the wrap-up guy? Like, that's the wrap-up? You know, the cottage burned down and the guy died? Yeah, that's pretty much it. He's like, you're a pretty shitty story writer. You took a long time to fucking get to the fucking ending. Like, I mean, my wife loves you, but God damn, is that how you write? Like, have you ever heard of a fucking just real quick ending? You drag that up a lot. Why is it fucking Christmas? Like, why is snow falling all of a sudden? Like, can't you stick to one fucking season, dude? God damn, I'm never buying your books. Like, in fact, I don't even want you in my cab. I'm going to call somebody else to pick you up. You can just fucking hang out here. <laughs> he walk away and drive away in his car. Like, and that was when the caddy left me. All because I talked about it. The lady in white. What a fucking ass. I mean, that would have been. I was waiting for some like, super cool twist because, you know, like at one point during the beginning when the kid is first getting strangled and then like floats yeah. away, and I know that, our, that the kid is our narrator. I'm thinking to myself, oh shit, is this like the guy in the cab? Is he a ghost? Is he a, a ghostwriter? You know what I mean? Like, was that, is that what they were going? Ah, oh, ghostwriter. Dad, daddy <laughs> breathed the kid's life into him, so so that took that away. Ghost cabbie. And then he just fucking floats away at the end. <laughs> oh, shit. I was dead the entire time. Okay, M. Night. Cabin in the woods or whatever the fuck that new movie is called. <laughs> yeah. Knock at the cabin. Yeah. So, yep, so that was Lady in White. Uh, that was my contribution to this spooky season. I'm glad that you guys liked it. Like I said, it's a, a fun little kid-friendly movie uh, to put on, you know, for the Halloween season, of course. Uh, the Dean not being here, he can't announce his pick, so I'm going to do it for him because he is clearly kicking, uh, keeping in line with the spooky season with his pick from 2022 called The Passenger. Uh, directed by Raul Cerezezo uh, and Fernando Gonzalez Gomez. Uh, it's about a group of strangers sharing a car ride, and then a zombie shows up. So we'll see how that goes <laughs> next week. <laughs> I don't know how better to express that movie. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I read the quick description. He wanted to pick it, so that's going to be his pick. Uh, so we'll be talking about the passenger from 2022 next week. So don't pick much, shame thank him. you so much for joining us. He's not us. even here to defend himself, and you're pick shaming him. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't need to be, because he knows that it's probably just one that he was just like, I'll fucking do that. <laughs> you could have gone a different direction. But you went that way, so we'll be talking about that. Well, so anyway, no, see, Bucky, thank see, you. So I, much. I have a list. I have a list of movies that I that I that I go to every now and again, and uh, <laughs> that's, that's where I, I make my decision. I, I open up my notebook and I see my handwriting, which I, I barely can't read. So so at that point, what I do is, is I just I go on to to Shutter or Tubi real quick and just randomly pick whatever first foreign film comes <laughs> comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> Never ever should have shared that photo of his writing. Like he never should have sent that to us in the group <laughs> chat because it's like holy shit. I mean, how are you a fucking educator? Like, <laughs> yes. I, like what? I can't yes. read anything that he wrote. But that's what I he teach does. English, but I can't write it. <laughs> I like English. I don't. I, and I like to read. Doesn't mean I don't need to write, to write at my students. I, I just need to speak to them. So, so, so that, that is how that works. So, I yeah, can so criticize their week. handwriting, but they can't criticize mine. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely not. Like, no, absolutely not, because I'm the dean, and I rule all. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if when he leaves notes on his students' papers, they're like, what the fuck does this say? <laughs> what? Like, did you write fucking Asia on my paper? That's not Asia. Uh, I wrote semi after class. So it looks like fucking continent Asia. No, it's Fiona. Fiona. <laughs> Why do you keep reading Fiona in cursive in my papers? <laughs> uh, yeah, why do you write in cursive? Nobody does that anymore. He's like, I still do. <laughs> That's why nobody can fucking read the writing. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Monkey, for joining us for this episode. And we'll see you back here next week for The Passenger. Yep, and possibly... Halloween ends, but you'll have to tune oh, in next week to find out what we talk about. Oh, on the edge. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for listening and letting me come in your ear like you're just about to come in your pants, but you're going to have to hold it ooh, ooh, until ooh. next week. Good night, everybody. Mwah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And go, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself up? Well, try not to strangle yourself yes. with, with any, any ropes. Um, or invisible hands. And uh, remember, if you are kicking and screaming, yell, Mommy, 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 please, no, stop, save me. And uh, stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. And, and watch your hand right Say please. no to dick trauma. Just say no to it. If your kids hate us, yes. say no to that dick trauma. It's going to stick with them. Tonight, tonight's about dick it on the trauma podcast. comes courtesy of the ghoul. So, so uh, as, as <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's nothing fucking different there, okay? <laughs> I thought I could handle it. I couldn't. <laughs> Just wait until they have a podcast many years later and they can openly talk about it. That's what we do. And getting fucking thermometers shoved up our asses as kids going, this is normal, right? I'm not going to think about this when I'm a fucking adult man. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's how you get temperatures, by shoving it up buttholes. Uh, <laughs> but anyway... As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Thanking you so much for listening to this episode. Hail Satan, hail Odorous, and most importantly, hail yourselves. It's a spooky season. Enjoy. Monkey, can't wait to see you this Saturday for our Halloween sleepover. Looking forward to it. So I'll see you then. Woo-hoo! But we also have a movie next week to talk about, The Passenger. 
So we'll see how that goes. Iggy Pop, the passenger? No. It's going to be a Spanish one. We'll see how it Damn goes. Damn it, you beat me. Dexter's <laughs> Dark passenger. See you next week. No I am the passenger. I ride and I ride. Like, yeah, that's a good one. I'd rather talk about that. La, 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 Yes. Possibly Susie, possibly Susie and the Banshees cover of it as well. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one, too. We should bring that up, too. Like, yeah, we want to talk about it, but we have to get through the cover and the original first. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see you guys back here next week. Enjoy your weekend. Stay spooky. See you next time.